Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. All right. So are you good to go? Everybody good to go? I think so. Yeah, I'm fine. All right. Cool. I'm hearing a little bumping. Yeah, yeah, I'm in my uh, give give me a second. I, I'm in my office in the basement, and my six year old is still awake for some reason. <laughs> yeah. She's dancing uh, on the floor above me. So give me. A I second. totally understand. You you'll hear uh, if you listen to our old episodes, you'll hear my dog howling in the middle of episodes. Yeah, she yeah. might do that too. I don't know. <laughs> All right, hold on. Oh, you're good. Things going bump in the night. Yes. All right. Hey, I'm glad that wasn't live. <laughs> no, you're good. I like the little human moments anyway. Yeah. But yeah, John had a good segue speaking of things that go bump in the night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how we got her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. Could I leave that in, please? <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> All right. So we are speaking to, I hope I got your last name right, uh, Jason Offit. Yeah, correct? that's uh, correct. Yes. All right. Yeah, Jason is uh, from Missouri. He is a prolific author of, uh, is it 11 books so far? My uh, 16th uh, comes out in January. Oh, wow. So more prolific than I thought. I have read uh, your book, Haunted Missouri. Yeah, uh, it's a timely episode um, as we're talking about uh, spooky season coming up here in October. Jason, I just got to say that book uh, was really great. I am a sucker for a lot of books on the paranormal, books on ghosts, especially like uh, uh, Heartland books. Or um, we're all three from Missouri. Jason is is from Missouri as well, uh, and I'll let you tell a little bit about your background. But uh, I, I picked up your book and not to go on. Uh, too big of a tirade on it, but it's, it's, I really loved how the book shares a kind of journalistic quality where it's not just these compiled stories, but it's also your experiences of going to these places and talking to these people and interviewing them. Yeah. And, uh, I want to get into that a little bit in the book, but you want to tell us a little bit about your background and, uh, uh, where you're residing now and well, yeah, a a absolutely. But I'm going to, I'm going to touch on that first because, uh, I was, a. a print journalist for 17 years. Oh. And uh, I, for the last uh, 16 years, I, I, I've taught journalism at Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville. Right on. Yeah. So I, I approached uh, the book Haunted Missouri uh, with what I knew how to do. I be a journalist and, 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 and do, do, do the research and go to the places and interview the people who've experienced things. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad it showed. Yeah, it definitely did. And that, it's one thing to retell a story. It's another thing to kind of immerse yourself in it. And I think that um, brings out a lot more character. Well, and, and that's, that's, what, that's what I hoped because uh, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of ghost books too. And I, I, I really like, well, I, just, I just like spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to put myself, whenever I'm telling a story, I, I have to put myself in, in the place where it happened because as I, I want my readers to be able to to see what I see, to see the place, to to smell. If if you know, if if mm -hmm. I'm standing on on the end of a sidewalk 
and nobody else is around and I smell uh, cigar smoke. You know, I want to be able right. to, to, to show that to, to my readers and, and make it as, as realistic as possible. Um, because I mean, that's, that's a journalist job. And, um, and again, thank you. I'm glad that showed through. Yeah. Where would you start with that? What made you decide this is a book I want to write or this is a topic I want to follow? Well, I had, uh, I, I've been interested in, uh, all things weird my, my entire life. Um, uh, when, when, when I was you know, really young, um, I, I didn't watch Sesame street or Mr. Rogers neighborhood or anything like that on because there at the same time there were lost in space reruns. <laughs> all right. Okay. So that's what I wanted to watch, you know, that and the original star Trek and, and, and then as, as I got a little bit older, some, something happened to me. Um, I was, I, I was in my house. Uh, it was at the time it was 120 years old. It was a, a two room schoolhouse back in the day. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was turned into, into, uh, to, into a house. And anyway, I, it was, it was the afternoon and I walked out in, in out of my bedroom into a hallway that was just right out of my bedroom door huh. and, because that's where we had our, all our bookshelves and, and we had our encyclopedias. The World Book Encyclopedias were in there. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to get the D for dinosaurs because I loved looking at that one. Mm-hmm. I was about eight years old and there was there was a boy about six years old standing in, in the hallway. And um, we lived six miles outside of town, the nearest town. Huh. Uh, we were a mile away from the nearest house. I lived out. I, I lived uh, on a farm out in the country, and there was no little boy within forever of my house. Yeah. So that that really surprised me, and and I mean I can still see him in my head. The hair parted uh, parted on the right side. It was uh, uh, you know slightly tousled. It was it was it was brown hair. He was wearing a brown flannel shirt and blue jeans, and and I could see the bookshelf through him. Huh. And he just looked at me and, and I have no idea how long I looked at him. It could have been five seconds. It could have been three hours. It was probably five right. seconds, of course. But uh, then he blinked. And, and, and when he blinked, uh, I, that broke my fear. And I just turned around, walked back into my bedroom, and I shut the door. And I didn't talk to anybody about it for 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that got me really interested in, in 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 ghosts and mm-hmm. and, and about the same time there were uh, newspaper stories about Momo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Missouri Monster. Yeah, yeah in, in in the early seventies because I'm old, <laughs> and and I would read about those in the newspaper. And my gosh, there's a Bigfoot in my state. <laughs> um, yeah, so so those things got me understanding that there are things in this world that are supposed to be false. They're, 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 they're supposed to not exist, mm. but they do. One, I saw one. Two, they were in newspaper reports. Other people were sure that they saw them. So that that got me uh, really into the paranormal. And uh, I also like monster movies, so so that didn't hurt. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, we're both big fans of, of all genres of those things. And yeah, we've both had some experiences of our own. Yeah, yeah, yep, we have. Um, I've never seen anything quite as astounding as like a, a full body apparition as that. That sounds just incredible. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I I didn't know. Of course, I didn't know at the time because I was I was so young. Uh, mm-hmm. But how rare those things are. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah. So if, if, if somebody sees a full body apparition, full bodied apparitions, they're either lucky or extremely unlucky. How, however they right. feel about their you know, encounter. Uh, yeah. I grew up in a house that was probably about that same, an old farmhouse um, in Southern Missouri. And it had been in my family for generations and uh, odd little things used to happen all the time in that house. I remember, you know, if I were sitting by myself, I would hear someone call my name and there would be nobody around. <laughs> and that was pretty, and it, I would get up and look for it and there would be nobody there. And that was pretty normal. This is like one of the weirdest ghost stories you'll hear, but it it's absolutely true. When I would come home from school, the house would be empty. But the first thing you want to do when you get home from school is, you know, go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I would do that. Wouldn't bother locking the door because nobody's in the house. And the door, and it was old house, the door would just always, every time I was sitting there, would just kind of slowly open by itself. I didn't think of anything of it for a long time. It was old house, settling, drafty, whatever. Mm-hmm. It could easily be explained by a lot of things. But it happened pretty consistently. So one day, I kind of got it on my head. Well, maybe there's something more going on here. And I just asked out loud, would you please close the door? Er? closed. And this was consistent too. Anytime that door opened while I was sitting in there by myself and I asked for the door to be closed, it would close. Told my brother about it. He tried the same experiment. Same thing happened for him. Did you try, uh, would you get me a Coke? (laughs) (laughs) So I felt like whatever it was, it's probably somebody I was related to, you know, the house had been in my family for generations. And, uh, if that's what it was, and that it wasn't harmful, like it closed the door. Now it's a little disturbing that it's watching a little boy poop. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, it's, it's something you said it, it is what I got, you know, the house settling. Mm-hmm. Be- because um, there were times before uh, I saw the apparition and times after mm-hmm. that, that I would tell my tell my parents that, you know, I, I heard a creaking. It sounded like somebody walking outside my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they would say all the time. Oh, no, that's just the house settling. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, it was just like, it was just like I'm feeling a, feeling a really bad pain. Oh, dad would say, it's, you're growing it's pain. Right. Yeah, you're oh, dad, it's an appendicitis. You know, it's not growing <laughs> pain. Rub some dirt in it, son. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that's, that's something I think. Um, that has been unfair to children throughout, you know, however many, you know, decades or hundreds or millennium or whatever. Sure. Is is the adults not listening to them? Yeah. Uh, because I, I, you know, the the more the, all the research that that I had done uh, on various aspects of the paranormal, um, children and and animals, mm-hmm. <laughs> they they seem to. Uh, see things and, and experience things that, that we don't. Mm-hmm. And either it's either it's uh, an ability children have that they grow out of, or it's uh, an ability they have that's beaten out of them by society. Right. Uh, one, one of the two, or maybe both. Uh, and, and, and it's a real shame. So whenever my kids talk to me about things, um, my 14 my year old, when she was three, we, we were looking for a new house and, and we went to one, that was, uh, it was built in 1883, mm. a gorgeous, gorgeous two-story house. And whenever we went in to look for a, to look at a house before that, I mean, her and her 
five-year-old brother would just go running crazy. New house, it's empty. Ah, let's go look at this. Uh-huh. And in this house, as soon as we walked inside, she 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 raised her hands up to me and said, Daddy, pick me up. Huh. And she clung on to me tightly throughout that whole house. Mm. And, and finally, I said, honey, what what's wrong? And she said, she leans into my ear and goes, they're scary. Huh. And I said, honey, what, what do you mean? Who's scary? The ghosts. Oh, my goodness. So, mm. yeah, we, and, and as soon as we got outside, she wanted down. Her and her brother played in the yard, and she was fine. Uh, we didn't buy that house, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listened, listened to my kid. Right. Do you think that you have that same level of discernment with, out of all the places that you've gone and places that you've researched? I mean, do some places, regardless of their stories, feel different to you? Uh, yes. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Uh, a few cases uh, specifically, uh, I'm, I'm sure because this is the famous one of the Sally House mm-hmm. in Atchison, Kansas. In Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went into that. I went to that. I'm not going to say I went into it. Uh-huh. I, I parked in front of it. I got out of my car. As soon as I opened the door and stood up, I mean, I didn't even walk away from my car. I think I even still had my right foot in, in the floorboard. <laughs> Right. I, I got a tight feeling in my chest. I had I had difficulty breathing. My heart started racing, and, and I started sweating. And I got back in my car and left. Wow. There was there was something there that my body was telling me I didn't want I didn't want to deal with. So I didn't deal with it. And and, and I've had that happen a couple of times. Um, one in in the uh, Hotel Savoy in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. I went into it. Uh, I'd, I'd read things about the fact that it was haunted and, and I went into it and I didn't interview anybody. I didn't let anybody know I was there. I just walked in and I went through every floor, you know, every hallway. Mm-hmm. And, and on this, in this one hallway, I, I walked out of the stairwell, open, you know, opened the door, walked out of the stairwell. And, and immediately I felt just like I did at the Sally house. And it was, it was really, really bizarre. And, and, you know, I took a couple pictures and left. And when I interviewed people, that was a hallway where there's a ghost often sighted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So I mean, yeah, for, for your listeners, if you feel like that, just leave. You can come yeah. back later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah, I, I, uh, another time that happened to me at a spot that I'd been to before uh, and not felt any, any panic. And, and one time I went and I was panicked and I, I went back like 20 times afterwards and I was fine. But that one time mm-hmm. something didn't want me there. Yeah. No, I've had, I've had feelings like that before and it's weird. It like hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. Like you can be totally fine. And then all of a sudden I, the one I'm thinking of is I was at this lake that I used to like to hang out at night when I was a teenager and it's a little man-made lake, you know, me and my friends would go hang out, but every now and then you just kind of got like this weird vibe or something kind of weird would happen out there. But there was one night in particular that I was hanging out with a friend and then just like all of a sudden, both of us just look at each other like, do you want to get out of here? And it was just like this unison, like, let's just go. And we there was nothing that like provoked it. We just kind of both felt like we need to go. So we started the car and left. And as we're driving out. I'm turning to my friend and I'm like, are we just being idiots? You think there's really like a ghost or whatever it is out there, you know, and we're kind of laughing at it. And I swear, as soon as I asked that question, this was like, you know, eighties, uh, I had a cassette sitting in the dash that just flew out and hit my friend in the chest. 
It was just sitting there as we're driving down the road. <laughs> so there was your answer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. like, no, you get need to get the fuck out. Yeah, right. I, I equate this. I mean, I, I again, growing up uh, in the country uh, on a farm, there have been uh, there were plenty of times I love playing outside. I'd go out in the cornfields. I'd go out in the woods. And th- there were times to where all of a sudden everything, all the noise stopped. Mm. I didn't, know, didn't hear any bird sounds. Didn't hear any insects. Everything just grew quiet. Mm. And, and, you know, if, if that happens, that means there's a predator around somewhere. Right. And, and I, I got the hell out of there. And, and I, I equate that feeling that, that I had and what you were talking about with your friend that we just need to leave now. I, I, I equate it. It's, just, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a predator there and, and, and your body's saying, hey, yeah, you need to, you know, self-preservation here. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I always tell people that's an interesting aspect, an interesting introspect into, you know, whether or not you feel a place is haunted is I was a contractor doing a a carpeted floors, hardwood floors, doing flooring for, for many years. Right. But as a result, you are in and out of hundreds of people's homes. You know, all throughout the year, you know, it is, it, over the course of 10 years, of course, I was in many people's homes. So many places I'd been into that look like the old spooky mansion type place that you just felt nothing at all. And I've been in ranch homes that were built in the 50s that you didn't want to be in for more than 10 minutes at a time. Uh, it just got you that kind of feeling and just this kind of impending doom that I felt in all of those places. But I didn't have a lot of experiences until I was a little older. You lived in kind of a crazy place, though, too, with fan shit. Like, that that whole yeah. area, when you drove into it, yeah, it just kind of gave you, like, this weird vibe. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with fan shit, Missouri. No, I'm not. John, you've got a little bit more history on it since you lived there. Yeah. Well, it's actually been reassigned as Peace Valley, Missouri, I want to say, in about 19... Oh, gosh, I'd get the history wrong. I think it was the 1920s. Um, reestablished another post office there. Uh, but Fanchon was a kind of ghost town in, in, in this corner of, of uh, four kind of crossroads uh, that are out in the middle of the county. And I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. Um, you're 30 miles from a gallon of milk. It's uh, Boy, it's got a lot of storied history, church burnings. Tornadoes, tornadoes, different ghosts that come up and down the road that you're not supposed to stop if you see the trench coat man, all sorts of things, small children running in front of cars uh, in that area, you know, that appear and disappear. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories and you know, we had, you know, we were young, we were poor, we put a little trailer on that property a long time ago and it was, boy, we had a bunch of activity there, bunch of noises, bunch of sounds, voices, cabinets slamming, furniture moving. That was that was pretty rough. But, you know, I never felt anything malevolent there. You know, I, I didn't feel anything that made me feel like uh, I was in danger. But, boy, you would scare the shit out of me sometimes. <laughs> I mean, just, mm-hmm. I mean, I read, Jason, one time where you said in an interview, you, you just, you're not the kind of guy who goes seeking these things out because, you know, you feel uneasy about it. If you do encounter something. Well, right, because if, if you seek something out, it, it's it's going to find you. Right. If you want to find it, it, there's very, very, very good chance it's going to find you. And, and these things don't stay put. I mean, the old old ghost stories from, from back in the day that, that this ghost died in this house and that's why, why it's there all the time. Well, no. Uh, I mean, these spirits or, or demonic entities or whatever they end up being, Mm-hmm. they can go wherever the hell they want to. And if I'm out looking for one, 
man, I don't want it to, I don't want it to find me because right. it might follow me home. Right. Yeah. So that's another reason why I, I go with the journalistic, um, journalistic style of doing it. Cause I'm not looking for the ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the story about the ghost. Right. There's something you said that I want to interrupt about. Sorry, sure. <laughs> you were going to ask no, that question. Ahead. But uh, I mean, you said you've, you've you've been in really old houses and that there's been nothing, mm-hmm. and you've been in, in in more recent ones. I mean, like 1950s and, and up, and and right. they you know you didn't want to be in there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. I was in a house. Uh, it's been probably about 20 years ago that this this guy had built, mm-hmm. and four of us were over there uh, playing playing cards. We were in the basement playing pitch, mm-hmm. and the basement was empty because it was a new house. All that was down there was a card table, four chairs, and a beer fridge, mm-hmm. and we were playing cards. And And the, the owner of the house's name was Victor, and from the far corner of the room uh, in, in the basement, just total concrete, mm-hmm. a woman's voice said, Victor. Ooh. Okay, we kept... We, we kept playing, playing the hand until it was over, and then we mm-hmm. looked at each other. Uh, looked at each other. Uh, did you hear that? Uh, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Did you hear that? Yeah, she said, "Victor." It was a woman's voice, right? Yeah, it was a woman's voice. Uh-huh. And then we left Victor at home alone. We got the hell out of there. <laughs> right. But it was it was a new house. It was a relatively new house. Yeah. So I mean, what what was that? Where did where did this voice? come from was it on the land or did it just happen to wander by that night and say hey these guys are playing cards i want to want to have a chat yeah i mean either way we didn't want to hear that's interesting because of all the ergo theories you know everybody says therefore and i hear that one a lot well it's a brand new home nobody ever died here but i mean I, who knows if that's what you know is the reasoning uh, you know i mean we're talking about something about the unknown uh it's it's just that right how do you know where the, what the source is, what the, you know, what the reasoning is behind it, or, you know, if it goes back to it, but it's kind of funny how, are there any of those that peeve you? Like a lot of people go back to like the native American lore, or they go back to this, or they go back to this sighting and they say, therefore, this is the ghost of so-and-so, or do you like to uh, just keep a more open mind about that? Or, or do you kind of follow what, uh, what it goes in the story. Oh, no, I, I, I have an open mind about all of this. If, if mm-hmm. something is, if somebody's going to identify a ghost, it, it, it has to be something, it has to be an apparition that they've seen mm. and recognize the face. Ah, I see. Yeah. It, I interviewed, uh, I interviewed somebody who uh, worked at the Jesse James farm in, uh, in Kearney, Missouri, mm-hmm. and they saw an apparition and, it was uh, Jesse's wife, Zerelda, and, and she was able to identify the person that she saw because she seen pictures of Zerelda James. Huh. Uh, and it, it kind of helped that the, you know, the apparition dissolved in front of her. You know, it, it wasn't a person. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's going to say, well, this is this person because they died here. Well, uh, again, ghosts are, are, can be anywhere they, they want to be, but if you can identify it. Right. By, by sight, you know, I, I think that holds more credence, except for the fact that, because I've, I've researched this stuff for a long time, and I'm firmly convinced there are entities out there. Uh, I don't know, people call them elementals, people call them uh, djinn, uh-huh. people call them demons, what, whatever moniker they go by, uh, I, I think there are powerful entities out there that mimic people. Sure. 
and 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 they can appear as as ghosts. I mean, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm fully convinced that anytime somebody contacts somebody with a Ouija board or a seance or automatic writing or any of anything like that, it, it's probably not the person. It's not probably not a ghost they're talking to. Mm. It, it's it's one of these higher up entities. Mm. Hmm. Well, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up too, because I mean, you've you've written books not only about just ghosts and and, and regionally, but I mean, books about time travel, books about uh, cryptids uh, and monsters, and some novels uh, as well. Is there any particular area, let's say, you know, between cryptids, UFOs, ghosts, uh, any area of the paranormal that kind of tickles you more than than any other? Oh man, uh, time travel does it for me. Number one, really. Yeah, I, I love time slip stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also love missing time stories, uh, although that kind of goes over into the into the UFO realm. But any anything to do with with differences in time, I, I absolutely love that. I, I had my own missing time uh, missing time story uh, or, or occurrence. I was I was working in, uh, in at a newspaper in Independence, Missouri, mm-hmm. and, and we put the paper to bed, and it was it was eleven thirty at night, and I was driving home, and it was a fifty minute drive. I lived in this little town way off in the boonies, and I, I drove past this this sign that I, I saw every day when I drove every every night when I drove home, and it said my hometown of Horick. It said five miles, mm-hmm. and exactly at that moment. The Rolling Stones' "Give Me Shelter" came on, uh-huh. and that's my favorite Stones tune. And it's uh, I think four minutes and twenty six or four minutes and twenty seven seconds. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this all the way home. Right. The the the, the highway was fifty five still at the time, so I had the cruise control set on fifty five, and I was li- listening to the song. And all of a sudden, everything did everything. Just I don't know what happened, but I, I got snapped out of uh, out of road hypnosis. And because the, the, the engine was struggling because I was going up a hill and I had it on cruise control. And I, I looked around because there was no hill between where I was and my turnoff. And I looked around and it was foggy. And I went up one hill and down the hill and up another one and down that one and up another one. And then, and then I saw a light in the fog and I pulled over and it was a Jehovah's Witness church. And, and I realized where I was, I was five miles on the other side of my turnoff. Huh. And I was sitting there in the fog wondering what the hell just happened to me. And, and then, I, then I realized that Gimme Shelter was still on the radio. Still playing. Uh, uh, yeah. And it played, it played for another minute and a half. Huh. So yeah, it's like, what, 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 what the hell happened to me? I, I don't have a clue. I have no clue what happened. You got the extended cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, time, time, time travel. Anything to do with 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 time is that's my favorite subject. Yeah. Monsters, the cryptids being number two. Yeah, I like monsters too a lot. I do like time travel. What are your, what are your some of your uh, uh, biggest you know detractions from trying to uh, time travel after doing the research on it and everything else like that? You can say, mm, well. I mean, uh, skepticisms like uh, the bootstrap paradox, or well, when when it when uh, <laughs> the thing with time travel is physics says it can happen, right? Yeah, physicists say yes, this 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 can happen, uh-huh. uh, but we're we're just not ready for it yet. Which I'm I'm, I'm completely cool with that. Uh, but then there are, are do I think we've time people have time traveled? I yes, I think it might have happened. 
Um, with machines, probably not. Uh, I, I, I interviewed Mike Markham a number of years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that name. He, he was Art Bell. Okay. Art Bell's show. Yeah. He's on the coast. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Did stories about this guy. Yeah. Well, when, when I moved uh, to Maryville, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is, which is where I live, I caught an episode of, uh, it was a repeat of, of, of coast to coast. And it was the Mike Markham interview that, that Art had done back in the, back in the nineties. And I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap, the town that Markham did that in is like 27 miles from where I live. So I, I was able to track, track him down and, and interview him. And, uh, I mean, his story is absolutely bonkers. Did he travel in time? I seriously doubt it, but it's a fun story. Right. But I think people possibly do travel in time due to what, uh, what, what uh, John Keel called window areas. Uh, window areas being thin veils between uh, different realities. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I've interviewed plenty of people with time slip stories. And, and there are some really uh, authentic sounding time slip stories out there that, uh, you know, I think maybe one of these days – you might walk down the street and find yourself in 1842. I've kind of wondered sometimes like if ghosts are, are that like almost like just a little bit of a, somebody that's maybe slipped a little bit, but not quite. Does that make sense? Right. No, no, I, I, exactly. I'm right there with you. I I think they're uh, because a a lot of ghost encounters to me sound like that. Uh, I, I, I've interviewed, you know, plenty of people who, who do reenactments at civil war, uh, battlefields. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, campfires with, with people sitting around and drinking chicory or whatever mm-hmm. you know, right. they drank back in the day. And it's like, <laughs> right. you know, why, why the hell would ghosts be doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe where they were actually seeing what happened back 150, 60 years ago, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, boy, just, I mean, it leads you into a lot of things about life after death as well. And, uh, you know, and just our uncertainty about that. I think one of the uh, kind of things that disturbed me most that I read recently was an article about uh, the death process and understanding how, even if you look at it from a purely scientific perspective, right, it's it's all these uh, electrical impulses in the brain. And yes, our organs may cease to function and everything else, but who knows how long those charges and those little flashes uh, are going on in the head for, you know, until full on decomposition it just makes you wonder. It's like, you know, and where does that go? Mm. Uh, where does that dissipate to? Uh, what does it become? Is it just the organ processing it? I don't know. Right. And it could be. I mean, that's what I, I've, I've wondered for a really long time. Mm. Well, because you hear, you know, I, I had a near-death experience. What happened? Well, there was uh, there was a light, and I went to the light. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the light's just, you know, your synapse is firing? Maybe it's a chemical released into your brain. Right. Maybe that's, you know, not not you going to the light, but, uh, yeah, your, your brain misfiring, or, or that's what happens when you die, mm-hmm. which, which isn't that comforting, but... Then again, you know, having seen a full-bodied apparition once in my life, I know there's something out there. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's just the thing, I guess. I, I've seen enough in my life that I just can't explain. Never anything, I don't think, that spectacular, but I have, you know, gosh, I've just, I think one of the more recent ones, too, uh, was going to the Crescent Hotel down in Eureka Springs. And uh, 
you know, it resonated with me when I when I read that you know you're just you're not the kind of guy out looking for that because well you know this shit's scary it really is right yeah and uh, and boy I was so uneasy that whole night I didn't sleep well um, I did hear disembodied a sigh right next to my ear while I was in bed and it, it's funny I mean just even a person's breath I could tell that it was a woman mm-hmm. standing right by my bed and I just heard as everyone else was asleep I was laying there awake. And just heard next to me, <sighs> kind of a disapproving, almost like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Uh, oh, yeah. They'll let anybody in here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's kind of what I got. And, uh, but I was, boy, you know, it's still, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. It wasn't comfortable, but I still wouldn't give that trip up for anything. I thought it was great, but I still think that plate is haunted as hell. Yeah, that's that's one of the play. Uh, a lot of people uh, who know me can't believe I haven't been there yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's a place I want I, I want to go, but I I haven't been there. It's a beautiful drive down there. I I live in Columbia, Missouri, so it's not too far, not too terribly far, about three and a half hours from here. But right, I, I live basically in Iowa. Right. Yeah, you're up closer that way. I mean, seriously, I can get in the car in 15 minutes. I'm in Iowa. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You can go to. Children of the Corn stuff up there, I guess. <laughs> right, right. What's the farthest you've traveled uh, to investigate something or write about it? Uh, well, I didn't travel there just to investigate this, mm-hmm. but I, I taught a because uh, I, I teach at a university and and, and I proposed a uh, a class that got accepted that I was really happy about. It was a travel writing class in London. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, one summer I, I taught a travel writing class in London, and and one of the places, uh, well, there were a number of places I had to go. One, uh, the pub that Graham Chapman from uh, from Monty Python frequented, I had oh, to go yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> nice. I had to go see Douglas Adams' grave. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, which was in Highgate Cemetery. Which uh, while I was there, uh, I interviewed people, and I uh, I wrote an article about the uh, Highgate vampire. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was uh, seen in the late uh, late sixties, early nineteen seventies, a um, and he was never seen uh, attacking anybody. Mm. Uh, this this figure was uh, tall, thin, bone white skin, uh, dressed as an aristocrat, and when people saw him in the cemetery at night, he would like leap over the wall. Mm. So I mean, he did un unhuman, you know, inhuman like uh, you know, inhuman things. And, and there were a number of stories done about him, and, and, and he got a lot of newspaper uh, um, uh, attention, and and people would go there on, on ghost hunts and, and vampire hunts, and 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 nobody ever uh, you know was able to solve what what the issue was. But uh, yeah, the Highgate vampire was pretty big for a while, and it was it was it was fun researching him. That would be, yeah, I'll have to look into that. I heard that story. Well, just places with history too. I think that's pretty interesting, and London definitely has a very long and interesting history. Mm-hmm. Dear Lord, I mean, people have lived there for thousands of years. I, I, I was, I, I, I went to uh, Westminster Abbey, which is, you know, it was built in a thousand AD, right? You know, and and there were, you know, actual. I, we, I walked over the graves because grave stones were you know, part of the pavement that you walked on inside the building, you know, I walked over nights, yeah, right. actual literal nights. I mean, yeah, the, the, the amount of history in that city is, is, is insane to think about. 
Yeah, that's that's incredible about the UK. Uh, just when I went over there and uh, went to Ireland, it's, just, I, it's so ancient compared to here. Right. Now, yeah, the pub down the street uh, from from the place where I stayed was 450 years old. Yeah. Right. The house I'm sitting in right now was built in 1978. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we would go by farmers uh, who were out and we'd see like some ancient, not quite as impressive as Stonehenge, but some sort of, you know, ancient structure. And we'd be like, what is that? Or, and they would just shrug and say, I don't know. It's been here forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, right. No idea. I'm intending to propose a, a, another travel writing class for 2023. Uh, and, and I, I want to go to the UK and, and look for monsters, you know, like the, uh, Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, go to uh, Bent, Bent Woods. Hmm. Bent, Bent Woods, uh, the, the forest with the, uh, uh, you know, the the, the U.S. And, and, and British uh, Air Force. Oh, yeah. The UFO. You know, so uh, the UFO. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I want to go to places mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants, wants to sign up for my class, please. Uh, oh, yeah. shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. That sounds great. Oh, that sounds incredible. What was your favorite uh, uh, cryptid to investigate? This is going to be boring. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, no, get, get, no, by, by, by <laughs> me saying this is going to be boring, can you can you guess what it is? Uh, Momo. Is That's it? Bigfoot. Yeah, it's Bigfoot. Right. Just because of the fact there's so much damn evidence for Bigfoot. If all of the evidence for Bigfoot was put on trial – uh, as as a murder trial, I mean the same uh, level of evidence. Somebody, go, somebody right. get the chair. Right. I mean, ha- absolutely. I mean, there's there's so much evidence for this, and and it's not just. I mean, the evidence we've collected, you know, recently. It's Bigfoot has its prints. I'm sorry, I had to do that on every freaking continent mm-hmm. on this planet. I mean, except Antarctica that we know of. Right. But, I mean, if we, we've got a Bigfoot in, in, in North America, in, in South America, uh, Europe, there's the, you know, they've had Bigfoot encounters uh, in, in the past in, in England, for God's sake. It's an island. Uh, Australia, all over Asia. There were reports uh, for years in, in Africa, in, in the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, about these giant chimpanzees mm-hmm. that walked on two legs, howled at the moon and they could kill and eat leopards. They, they, they were that powerful. Wow. And um, American, you know, American and European, you know, Western scientists said, Oh, that's, yeah. that's a cute story, but it doesn't really exist. Well, in 1998, the, uh, the Billy ape was discovered B I L I. That's the name of the forest where it was discovered. Mm-hmm. And it's a giant chimpanzee. That walks on you know its hind legs most of the time. It it, it builds uh, nests like like a gorilla. It it, it was it been witnessed killing you know leopards and, and animals that big and vicious and eating them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that was proven true. Right. What about all these other stories? Sure. You know, the Orang Pindak, the 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 Alma, mm-hmm. the Yaren, the 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 Yowie. I mean, there are, there are equal an equal number of stories about these very entities, and we, you know, in the West, poo poo them. But but the people who live there say they're true. Why why are they wrong and we're right? Right. 
He even shows up in Star Wars movies, right? We've seen him. We've <laughs> all seen him. Well, you know, one of the one of the funny things about that uh, during Return of the Jedi, they were they were shooting the indoor scenes in the Pacific Northwest, and and they had to have extra security because they were afraid somebody would, you know, a hunter would shoot Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that, but we actually one of our friends, uh, Aaron, his dad was deeply involved in uh, production of the. Uh, Boggy Creek in a legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah. Uh, Boggy Creek. Yeah. Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah. Yeah. He was like involved with that. And, uh, I guess, um, Chewbacca was kind of loosely based on that. Yeah. From there. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Well, the legend of Boggy Creek, let's, that, that, that takes me somewhere else. Mm -hmm. There's a strange thing about the Boggy Creek monster. The footprints had three toes. Mm Mm-hmm. That is also seen in the Honey Island Swamp Monster in Louisiana, mm. which is another Bigfoot. Not that far away, uh, right? Momo, seen in Louisiana, Missouri, also left three-toed footprints. Huh. There are stories of three-toed footprints left by a Bigfoot in, in Iowa and Minnesota. So sort of a like north-south corridor there. Right. I don't have uh, you know the resources to do this, but man, if if, if, if it traveled you know maybe with seasons mm-hmm. and uh you know up and down the mississippi river that would that would make a lot of sense sure yeah it would that's interesting yeah because three-toed bigfoot i mean where do they exist well right up and down right up and down the mississippi river mm. yeah and i think that's something too you know that a lot of people I think they kind of overlook when they when they're skeptical uh, about Bigfoot, and, and I have some skepticisms about it. But it's like uh, really the vastness of this country and the vastness of areas like that uh, that are just untouched by people or never seen by people, you know. And even with UFOs, how often do we look up? I think about that a lot. Boy, there's a big area to cover. I mean, it, it's something uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier on the Jersey Devil. And uh, talking about the Pine Barrens, and I, I never even realized how big that area is. Just massive. I mean, uh, a million plus acres, I believe. That's a lot, yeah. Right. It, it, it's huge. And, and I mean, New Jersey's like one of the most tightly packed, you know, in, in terms of population states in the, in, in the nation. Uh-huh. But we've got the Pine Barrens, which are, are huge. And, and compare that to the Rocky Mountains, and it's, it's nothing. Yeah. And the Pacific Northwest, and I mean, Bigfoot's been seen in the desert. Right. How, how many how many square miles of desert do we have in this country? Right. How if you've ever been on a plane, look down sometime. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. We got fields fields all through the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, in 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 working on my uh, on my book, chasing American monsters, Bigfoot has been. I found Bigfoot's been seen in every state but Hawaii. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, even Rhode Island. Yeah, you know they've had Bigfoot reports uh, because there's wilderness in every state, and uh, there have been a lot of reports of, of Bigfoot seen around rivers, which makes sense because animals travel that way. Mm-hmm. Have you traveled by boat up a river? Yeah, because yeah, yeah there's nothing there. No, there's not unless you're going through a city, a big city. There's nothing on either side of the river but trees. Right. So there are plenty of places, yeah, absolutely, that uh, that Bigfoot could hide. And and these things are uh, apparently intelligent, so they would know how to avoid us. Right. At least get away. 
Yeah. If any cryptid's going to be discovered, it's going to be it's going to be Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fingers crossed, man. I'd be excited for that day. Problem is, we're going to have to kill one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's America. Could show up dead. <laughs> yeah. Good. Watch the rivers. I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got in the works right now uh, as far as something that's just seeking publishing or, or something that you're currently writing about? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned novels earlier. Uh, my last few books have been novels. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my le- last one that come out was uh, you had to, so you had to build a time machine, uh-huh. which is a, uh, a humorous, humorous sci-fi. I've got a horror novel called the girl in the corn that's coming out in uh, January. And uh, right now I'm uh, editing uh, editing another uh, humorous science fiction book that uh, I'm looking for a publisher for. Nice. Cool. You mentioned uh, Coast to Coast. You were on there not too long ago, weren't you? August, maybe? July? No, I think it was July. I think it was on there in July, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that be that was my third time on on coast to coast, and I had always hoped to be on with Art Bell, but uh, I, I I never never got him. I was on with uh, George twice, and I don't remember the I don't remember my first interview. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That that's still pretty cool. Yeah, it it was. I mean, I thought I'd be nervous, uh, you know, having. 500 stations and yeah. umpteen yeah. million people yeah. thing, but I wasn't because I, I tend to approach interviews as, you know, I'm just sitting here, you know, having a beer with you, mm-hmm. you know, we're just chatting. That's pretty much how we do the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Which also has about, you know, 500 million people listening. <laughs> All sure. right. Yeah. yeah. I, no. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> That's a cool show. We, we've, we've talked about uh, Coast to Coast a, a few times on the show. Oh, quite a bit. Yeah. We talked about it with Matt Chamberlain. Matt Chamberlain, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we used to love uh, Art Bell. Yeah, listening to that. So don't give up, man. You never know. Weirder things might happen. That You might get Art Bell still, just because he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm... Right? Given the topic of conversation, I think right. it's a possibility. It, it is a possibility. Tell you, one of the things that, and he first he first appeared on there with, uh, with George Knapp, and I like George Knapp a lot. Yeah, um, uh, he's he's a solid journalist. That that's the reason I like him. But he he's the one who got uh, David Politis, the, you know, his first national attention. And I love David Politis's work. The whole missing four one one is just oh yeah yeah scarily fascinating. Oh yeah, I love those documentaries. Those were great. Yeah, any 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 time people go missing, I'm now glued to it. <laughs> just, just because of you know, just just because of him. Right. Well, and it, it also kind of harkens back to what we were saying about the vastness of the world and just how you know, if it's so hard to find a person uh, who's been in the same spot if they're dead, <laughs> you know, uh, something on the move might be even harder to find. Right. Yeah. What about your, uh, you've done a lot of UFO research then in Missouri, uh, particularly around like uh, this area? Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've, I've done some. There was a, uh, the UFO wave in uh, 1973 uh, that, that hit the country, also hit, hit Missouri. Mm-hmm. There was a huge slew of, uh, of UFO uh, sightings throughout the entire state, more central and, and eastern Missouri, but there were some around Kansas City and there were some in southern Missouri as well. Mm. There, there was one really, really big one uh, in, in 1941 that you're probably probably familiar with uh, down between Sykeston and Cape Girardeau. 
there was allegedly a UFO crash. I don't know if I know this story. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about this, not a whole lot. And forgive me, I wasn't ready for this, so I, I can't remember the name of the woman uh, who who, came, who who broke this story. But she was the, the granddaughter of, of a minister uh, who was called. He was in that area, and he got a call in the middle of the night. And uh, it, it was to go to, a, to the scene of an airplane crash, uh, a small airplane, and and uh, you know, say a blessing over the over the pilot and oh. and, and the passengers. Oh wow! And when he got there, the uh, Army Air Corps, because they're they're you know at that point they didn't have the Air Force; it was the Army Air Corps. Mm-hmm. The Army Air Corps was there. There was a base in in the area, and uh, and and the police were there, fire department, sheriff's department, and and people in in, in black suits mm. were there. And and when he went, there was not an airplane; there was a disc. And and the people that he 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 said uh, a prayer over weren't uh, were people. They were what he described. Uh, they were grays. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was told to be be quiet about this, and and it was one of those deathbed confessions. And and if that was the only story, I, I would kind of ignore this. Right. But I interviewed a woman named Linda Wallace. I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Uh, who was doing research on her father, who was uh, at the army base that was down there? Huh. Because she didn't know him that well. They they traveled a lot, and they they you know were separated at some point. But anyway, she was trying to find out more about her father, and she went to old folks' homes, to to re- retirement homes, and and found some people who served with her father. But they also talked about a crash of uh, an, an, an aircraft that wasn't one of ours. Huh. It was a disc that crashed between Sykeston and Cape Girardeau, and the people who were piloting it weren't, weren't human. She talked to a couple of these people at different retirement homes, and, and that struck her as funny, and she started doing research into police records, sheriff's department records, fire department records, and they had all been removed, and, and the, the the records from the Air Force, or not the Air Force, but the Army Army base, uh-huh. all those records were removed from that year and stored in a, uh, a warehouse in St. Louis that burned down. Uh, convenient. And when she looked at the local newspapers, uh, they were uh, microfilm, and there were black chunks uh-huh. where certain stories had been. And, you know, obviously they'd been removed. So although she doesn't have definitive evidence, she, the circumstantial evidence there, she's thinking that, yeah, maybe this thing really did happen. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and they tried to cover it up. Right. Makes you wonder what they did with the bodies. You know? Yeah. Isn't there a, a supposed grave site of, of uh, an alien here in America, too? In, in uh, Texas. Yeah, that's right. I don't know this one. It was uh, in Aurora, Texas, and it was during the um, the airship wave in uh, in 1897, exit 1896, 1897. Hmm. There were there were a lot of airships seen across the United States and and in France. Uh, they were basically uh, dirigibles, hmm. and they flew silently. Except when people saw them, they they could hear like piano music sometimes, huh. or they could hear people talking in a foreign foreign language. Huh. And they had headlights. Hmm. 
I mean, they were seen seriously all across the U.S. I, I, I when I was researching some something else, I, I ran across one of these stories in an old old uh, newspaper of uh, can't remember the name of the town, the town, but it's a it's a suburb of Omaha. Mm. But there was a story from there anyway. But this this was in Aurora, Texas, and apparently the vehicle hit a uh, a windmill uh, of this farm and crashed. Yeah. And there was one occupant, and he was buried in the uh, in in a cemetery. Mm. And the remains of the uh, remains of the the ship were were chopped up and tossed down a well. Huh. Well, that's weird. Could be sitting there just for us all to find. Yeah. Well, enough people have looked for both that they can't find it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because isn't the grave itself like unmarked, or you know, they can't really. Well, it was it was marked, and then somebody stole the uh, the uh, stole the tombstone at one point, and now it's it's uh, it's unmarked. Put it in a church, and, yeah. Waiting for Nicolas Cage to find it, right? You know what? If anybody could, it'd be Nicolas. I think so. I think it would be Nick Cage. <laughs> that movie felt legit to me. It did. Yeah. <laughs> What's your scariest story, in your opinion? Since we're we're uh, kind of in that season. Oh my gosh, scariest! Um, it doesn't have to be the scariest or favorite scary. Just ones. what comes to mind. Okay, I'll I'll tell you part of the story. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because it scares the hell out of me personally. All right. I, I was asked to write a story about uh, an artifact, hmm. and I, I went and I interviewed people about the artifact, and. I slept a night in, in the same room as the artifact. Mm -hmm. And this, the artifact is supposed to be cursed. Mm. And when I went home, I started getting sick. Mm. I, I also started to notice things on the highway. And when I got back, back into my town that were directly related to the artifact that shouldn't have been on the highway or in my town. And when I got home for the next two days, my five-year-old son, and he's 16 now, but he, he started complaining uh, about certain symptoms that are related to the artifact. Hmm. And, and, it, and at that point, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm done researching anything except for monsters or mm. maybe, maybe time travel. I'm done, with, I'm done researching the paranormal uh, at that point. Yeah. Huh. Too close to home, yeah. I had something come home with me, and it it it, it scared the shit out of me, guys. Mm. Was it a doll? No. Okay, I, I've read about some really creepy dolls that uh, shit like that happens. Yeah, but there was there was there was sickness with both of us. Uh, me more than him, fortunately. Uh, there was unexplainable smells that were related to the object, and uh, I was yeah, I, I was done. Mm. Did you write about it? No. And this is like one of the first times I've ever talked about it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is. You'll have to put that on a blog sometime. We need to bring yourself to do it. But yeah, something like that uh, affecting the family. Ooh. Yeah. And seriously, I haven't, it's been, it's been, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years, maybe. I don't, I don't remember eight, nine, 10, but uh, seriously, I haven't written about anything, but uh, time travel UFOs or, or cryptids since then. Hmm. 
Well, you probably don't want to go them. There's a really cool place in Omaha called the Museum of Shadows. <laughs> you check that out. <laughs> you know, I just recently read of that. I'd never heard of it, but I recently read about it. And yeah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, we went there this summer. It was. It's kind of an uneasy feeling. Yeah, because it's something like just thousands of, of these uh, possessed artifacts that are donated. Uh, to the museum or, or have them removed and then they put them in quarantine for a while and they supposedly bless them and they do all these things. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good idea of a business to run for me. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a sci-fi show that's on at 11 o'clock at night though too. Yeah. And I think they have their own channel uh, on Amazon. Do they? Yeah. yeah. 99 cents an episode or whatever, but uh, interesting stuff in there though. Some interesting artifacts. I'm glad I didn't have to touch any of them. Could just look at them. Yeah, it's ready to get the hell out of there. Anything that you've looked into, and then you were just like, "This is just absolute bullshit." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Well, there there have been plenty of people I've interviewed. <laughs> right. That this is absolute bullshit. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 willing to give people the benefit of the doubt if they say I had a bigfoot encounter, or I saw a ghost, or I saw this in the sky. Yes, I will interview you about that. Mm -hmm. But I've also interviewed people who've been like, uh, I remote viewed Mars and saw the ruins there, <laughs> but I've also been abducted by aliens and I've got a portal in my in my room or in my in my house. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, that's way too much stuff. <laughs> right, this, right. You did not have all this happen to you. You're just schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing I can't complain, and it's probably a logical reason for it. Mm. Uh, but it, it, Gravity Hill, I think every state's got a Gravity Hill. Sure. Uh, this one is um, south of Kansas City. Yep, I've been to it. You've been to it? Yep. Yeah, I went there, and and I took um, levels, you know, carpenter's levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I parked my vehicle on, on a flat spot. I put carpenter's levels all around the vehicle, and it was flat. Mm. Okay, so I put them back in the back in my vehicle. I sat in it. I put it in neutral, and the car moved. Mm. It rolled down the hill. It or not down the hill, but it started moving, and it got thirty to thirty-five miles per hour. Wow! Until it came to a little rise, and and it slowed down. Huh? I couldn't explain that at all. I always assumed because I I have been there, and it's kind of weird hills around there. And you just kind of wonder, well, maybe it's just kind of things are laid out and it's almost like an optical illusion. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's what, that's what I went there expecting. Yeah, that's why you would take the levels. Yeah, yeah that's why. I mean, I took the levels to make sure that, you know, it, it, was, it was level and it was level. And I have no idea what would make that vehicle move when I just put it in neutral. I, I, had, the, I had the key off. Huh. Yeah. I put it in neutral and it got up to 35 miles and I mean, started slow. My car, the car was filthy, mm -hmm. so I didn't have to put flour on the back of it, <laughs> right. you know, to see if there were handprints or anything. There, there weren't any handprints, of course, uh -huh. but yeah, I mean, I, I still expect that it was something explainable. I just can't explain it. Uh -huh. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know that, it's just this country road, middle of nowhere, south of Kansas City, and you pull up to it, and it doesn't look weird. There's nothing. It's like pastures and shit. Mm. And you put your car in neutral, and it'll just do, 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 roll. I was reading today that, that the Kansas City Airport is haunted. I didn't know that. A lot of stories around there. I wasn't aware of that either. Yeah, 
people be grabbed, pushed in the terminal, people running across the uh, runways. Uh, they'll see sometimes or running across the roads there. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, but uh, well, there's a lot of meth in Kansas City, so that might explain some of it. Sure. Yeah, there is. Yeah. That's where I am. <laughs> yeah. Could be other other kinds of creepy crawlies yeah. <laughs> around that area. We had a weird, this was at a place I worked at in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was working in an office, and it, it was downtown, and they were getting ready to move out. Like, our building had been sold, and the new people that were buying the building were just, like, doing a lot of stuff. And they ended up digging up our parking lot. Mm-hmm. While they were digging it up, there was, like, this day where, like... 911 kept getting calls from an extension at our office and nobody would answer. This was weird. And right after that, they discovered like this old French Catholic cemetery. Hmm. Like they dug up a body like immediately after this. Uh-huh. When the police showed up to check that out, the extension was one that wasn't in use. It wasn't attached to any phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, people, a lot of people don't realize what kind of French influence that we have in, in Missouri, not just Missouri, but the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of clear on, on the east side because there are a lot of French names. Uh, Des Moines is a French word, for two French words meaning the, the mounds. Right. Uh, but, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of French influence here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with ghosts, but. I don't know either, but yeah, we got to watching it. They had like this excavation, like it really screwed up construction. They had to have like forensic people come out and then all kinds of things. And then they moved the whole cemetery somewhere else. And because mm. nobody knew it was there. Yep. You move the parking lot, but you didn't move the bodies, did you? <laughs> right. And, well, then people like weird stuff happened. We had this one employee that like, this door that it was like a really, you know, it had a really strong, you know, the bar that keeps it from closing too fast. Mm-hmm. And the door just slammed this dude. He had to go to the hospital and get stitches. And mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with the door. It just slammed him. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the next day that, that happened. There were a couple other things. It seems like too, that were kind of weird. Interesting. You know, in 10 or 15 years, it's not going to be blamed on ghosts. It's going to be blamed on AI. Could be. Right. <laughs> it could be. That's scary, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's terrifying. It's, it's scarier, scarier to me than ghosts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, do, 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 certainly do. is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as far as your online presence stuff, where can people go to? Uh, are you still blogging? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, I occasionally post stuff on my blog. A, a lot of it now is more uh, writing uh, involved. Uh, I mean, I'll post some short stories or, or give some writing advice, maybe some updates on uh, on, on the next book coming out. Uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. It's at uh, the Jason Offit. I'm also on Instagram. I avoid uh, Facebook. I've been on Facebook three different times and. Hated it every single time, and I'm probably never going back. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if anybody anybody wants to get a hold of me and ask a question or, or give me a comment about something, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. On jasonoffit.com is my website. And just, uh, yeah, send me an email. Awesome. Cool. Uh, good place to get your books as well. Yes, absolutely. They're, they're also all on uh, Amazon and, and Barnes and & Noble and all those places. 
Excellent. Well, man, we'll have to get together since we're all in Missouri at some point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Meet up, have a beer, and tell some more spooky stories. But this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. One of you are from uh, uh, in Columbia, so you'll have to bring some Shakespeare's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Absolutely. Some Shakespeare's, maybe some Booches, some Logboat Brewery. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Booches is beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Does it still have a you know a million pool t- pool tables? Yep. Of course it's got to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a million pool tables and three places to sit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was great great when I've been there. I've, I've I've been to Columbia a lot. My dad graduated from the zoo and we had season tickets to football for a long time. Oh, right on. Yeah, and yeah, Booches was a great place. I mean, because you you sit at the bar and you order a beer and a hamburger, and the bartender gives you a beer and then turns around and cooks your hamburger. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have to move. He just has to turn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good sliders, too. Yeah. But yeah, man, we don't want to keep you on uh, all night or anything, but uh, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to add? Or? Uh, no, no. Just, uh, yeah, anybody uh, yeah, interested, go to jasonoffit.com. There's all sorts of stuff about me. And uh, uh, thanks for reading and thanks for listening. And, and guys, it's uh, we tried this for a long time. I'm glad we finally got together. It was almost cursed. <laughs> uh, yeah, almost. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think we've got it in the bank now. We'll find out, though. Probably jinxed myself. But, <laughs> yeah, knocking on some wood right now. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Jason Offit, thank you for coming on. We had a great time. All right, Matt, John, thank you very much. Have a good night. All right. Have a great weekend, dandies. <laughs>